The concept of mindful meddling is just to say that at a certain point, we want to look at them and instead of just meddling because we want everything to be perfect and okay for our kids and just fixing all the problems, we want to start being mindful in the way that we're meddling and look at what do their brains need. Welcome back to an all-new season of Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey, Heidi. Jamie, did you just do that with your eyes closed? I saw your eyes closed. I'm impressed. I, well, if we can't do it by now. It's sad, although we seem to always find a way to stumble. <laughs> That's I was super impressed. I know. I'm, I'm just challenging myself. I'm trying to build my brain pathways. Oh, oh, look at you with that segue, James. I love it. All right. Sadly slash not sadly, Megan is on vacay with her family in the tropics and we are so happy for her. We miss her, but we are happy for her. And today we are talking about something Megan's really excited about, creating brains. It sounds pretty fancy, right? America's brain gal, pediatric neuropsychologist, Dr. Sarah Allen translates applied brain science to everyday life. She helps busy moms efficiently and effectively learn to look at their kids as little brains so they raise happy, connected, successful humans, building their brains without losing their minds. Dr. Sarah is a mom, parent-teacher strategist, doctoral professor, and school program consultant. She has spent more than 15 years studying neuroscience and is the author of the international best-selling and award-winning book, Raising Brains. Dr. Sarah's work has been featured in Forbes, Pop Sugar, the Philadelphia Inquirer, etc., and she has been featured on ABC, NBC, Good Day Philadelphia, NPR, and more. So listen to today's show, If. You want to know what it means to raise a brain. You aren't sure when doing things for your child becomes a handicap for them later in life. And you want to know if there's truly such a thing as the perfect parent. Spoiler alert. Nope. Okay, let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sarah. It was so amazing getting to pick your brain on our epic Nashville Girls Weekend. You have such incredible insight and knowledge that we felt like it would be selfish not to share it with our listeners too. So first things first, have you recovered from our weekend yet? Are you ready for the next one? (laughs) Oh my gosh, what a fun weekend. That was honestly epic is the only word I can use to describe that. It was just so much fun. It was so much fun having you. And, you know, when I said it really felt selfish not to share you with our listeners, it it really did. You have so many amazing things to say. So we have so much to cover. Let's dive right in. (laughs) So you've written an international bestselling book called Raising Brains. What is the concept of raising a brain? Are you saying that we as mothers are all raising brains? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying, actually. And I know it's an odd concept. I've learned this, that it's an odd concept to people who don't have brains sitting in their office and carry them around in their suitcase with them. But yeah, we're all raising little brains. So instead of seeing your kid like a little kid, I want you to start seeing them like a little brain because we want to grow their skills and build their pathways in their brains so they can be these wonderful, independent, connected, social, happy adults when they get older, instead of just trying to manage their behavior and keep them polite and comfortable and staying next to us. (laughs) 
Oh, geez. All right. Fine. I, so it's, so it's a little more, so it's a little more complicated than what I've been doing. All right. I thought I just watered him enough and he would just grow in the corner. Okay. Oh, no, so it is kind free. of like watering them though. I swear it is. And, and I think once you kind of start to change the perspective a little bit and see them like a little brain, then you're really going to start to be able to see it just like watering them. <laughs> Totally. No, it makes sense. So sadly, we can't just look up our kids' noses and see their brains. So like, how do we know where to start? What do we, how do we really figure out what their brains need? I, I feel like I'm just guessing. I'm throwing spaghetti against a wall. Mm-hmm. Help me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, oh my God, I forgot about that. <laughs> Is it done? <laughs> I, you know, I really think it's about starting to get into the mindset. So when we're doing that, we want to look at our kids and think, what does this little brain need to learn? And what can I teach this little brain? Those are my two magic questions for people. What does this little brain need to learn? And what can I teach this little brain? So when you're looking at them and they're behaving in certain ways, you want to become a brain detective and start thinking about what skill are they missing? So if they're throwing spaghetti at a wall themselves, for example, yeah. you know, do they need to learn how to use their words? Do they need to figure out how to manage this emotion that is coming out of them? Are they, do they need to build a skill of communication here in maybe even a nonverbal way? You know, what is it that they need to learn how to control and regulate their body here? And once you start kind of thinking about them as skills, then it does a couple things. The first is that it reduces our emotion because we all have emotion and I like to personify parts of the brain. So I talk about our amygdala, which is the emotion center as Amy G. Um, she, I picture her like kind of like a puffer, like a teenage puffer fish, kind of what used to be goth, but I think is now like an emo. I'm not exactly sure my kids tell me, <laughs> you. Um, but you know, so you walk into the room and no matter what you do, she's going to puff like puffer fish all of a sudden. So we're always, and if you have a preteen around your household, you probably have an Amy G just walking around. Um, so Amy G is our emotion center of her brain. And then I like to talk about the frontal lobe and I like to call her Franny. She's the one who's kind of regulating everything. So we have this relationship between Amy G and Franny in ourselves. You know, our Amy G goes and Franny is trying to calm calm her down and calm her down. And then also in our kids. So when you start to shift and start to be that brain detective and look at these skills, you're now not looking at the spaghetti that is thrown all over your wall. And why did they do this? And I just made this for them. But instead you're thinking, okay, what does, what does she need from me? Or what does he need me to teach him? That automatically gets Amy G to kind of come back to regular fish status <laughs> and gets Franny to take over in us. And then we can help our kids in the same way. That is a lot of brain <laughs> stuff for moms. <laughs> okay. No, it totally makes sense. It totally makes sense. Thank you. And I love how you break it down into characters because it helps us remember and makes it relatable. So we're all moms here. And as moms, we, of course, want what's best for our kids. And especially when one of our little ones has faced enormous challenges in their very short life, like medical, physical, otherwise, my little guy, James, he has had, you know, lots of surgeries. So I definitely babied him a lot more than my twins who are only two years older. So can we help too much sometimes? I mean, like, I feel like everyone knows someone whose mother rendered them completely helpless as an adult because she had someone like follow them around cleaning up every mess and never taught them how to do anything for themselves. Mm -hmm. So we talk a lot about mindful meddling. That sounds a lot better than what I just described. So what does that mean? Well, first of all, let's put all mom guilt aside for a second and say, sometimes our kids just need us. 
right? And so sometimes we spend a lot of time helping them through certain situations or chronic medical issues or things that happen. And that is good. That is our job. That is okay. The concept of mindful meddling is just to say that at a certain point, we want to look at them. And instead of just meddling because we want everything to be perfect and okay for our kids and just fixing all the problems, we want to start being mindful in the way that we're meddling and look at what do their brains need. So as you're talking, you can say, you know, okay, so I, I've done a lot of work to help him get comfortable and stable and medically well and happy. And now that he is a little bit more there, maybe my next goal you just kind of talked about is to start to have him do some things for himself and become a little more independent in certain areas. That's exactly what we're talking about here is being mindful in the way that you're meddling. So you're going to meddle more sometimes. But if, you know, he can't get his homework into school one day, instead of calling the teacher and fixing the problem, we would talk to him and say, okay, how could you figure out, you know, how to get that back into school? Who, who would you talk to? Do you think you could email your teacher? Do you know how to get in touch with them instead of just fixing it for them? And so we want to build those brain skills for the kids instead of fixing all the problems that they come across. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like putting a Band-Aid on the problem is what I find so often we're all trying to do because we're busy. Mm -hmm. Like I don't always have time to like take a step back and look at my my six-year-old is such a sweet, smart kid, but his emotions come out sideways. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I, sometimes my husband really acts like he thinks it's being done to him. Like right. why are you doing this to... Meanwhile, it clearly is a mismanagement of emotions. And this is the stuff that moms deal with day in and day out. You know, I always joke, my Instagram looks really, has a really shiny luster. My kids are smiling. Everyone's well-behaved. But the reality is I'm just barely surviving like most other moms with regards to emotional development and figuring out what step to, to take next. So like, what do we do when our lives don't look like they do on Instagram? I mean, is, is perfect what we're striving for? Like, are we, how, how do we kind of like, you know, paddle our way through this and, and just, figure it out because on any given day, I, I doubt my own reactions to, to why he's doing a certain thing. And then I start to question, you know, how I'm addressing it. Oh yeah. I mean, questioning is what we, we do as a mom. And I always say to moms, if you're asking me if you're a good mom or if you're wondering, you are, because that is the characteristic of a good mom is to keep trying and keep wondering. And even, you know, with your sign that you said emotions come out sideways, you know, sometimes just having two goals is what we need because we are busy. We're not saying to do this all the time. Not every, I'm not, I'm not doing this every second looking at my kids little brains all the time. I pick and choose the moments because I know that there's two goals that I'm trying to keep in mind. And those are the only two that I can keep in my head to be honest, because you know, for me, I have two of my own kids. My partner has two kids. So there's four between us and everyone's moving in different directions. So we're not going to do this all the time. We're going to do this because we know that's the goal and we're going to pick those. So when we talk about things like making things look perfect, when we only look at Instagram, right? This is called off the gram for a reason because <laughs> we really, that the teachable moments come off the gram, right? They come in the messy, they come in the imperfection. And so if you, and you might know this personally, right? If you grew up in a house where everything was swept under the rug and everything just had to be okay and you didn't talk about emotions, you might have something like an any brain. I talk about any and any brains. You might have an any brain where, you know, whenever you feel something, you just kind of push it deep down and you don't know exactly what it is or how you feel, but you might get a little grumpy and a little bit snappy at people, right? And if you have an Audi brain, um, or if your kid has an Audi brain, you know, things come out loudly and across the room sometimes. And, you know, everything's always out, but you don't know necessarily how to kind of hold that back. And so the good thing about it coming out in the messy 
if you have an Audi brain, is that it's coming out and it's always better out than in. And we can shape the way it comes out. If you have an any brain and you grew up with perfection or you are very concerned about perfection, the problem with pushing those emotions down is they don't go away. They come out in other ways. They come out maybe in just stomach aches, headaches. They could come out in illness. You know, they come out in snapping at people when you don't want to, because that's Amy G. She's going to drive the show then, right? So she's going to respond, not Franny. We always want Franny responding. And so that's that's that balance that we're trying to find. So when you think about your life doesn't look like it does on Instagram, think about going off the gram and think about how there's that that imperfection is what creates these teachable moments so that we can learn and grow and then enjoy the moments that we're posting on Instagram. That's amazing. And I, I love the innie brain and the outie brain concept. It's, it's really great. And it's such a succinct way to put it. Because you only mentioned it once at the top of the show, can you go over what Franny is? Again, I think that Amy G with the puffer fish analogy was easier to remember. Can you remind us what Franny yeah. does? Of course. I picture Franny kind of like an octopus. She's got a hand in everything, right? And her job is she's kind of like a secretary in a school. We think the principal's in charge, but it's actually the secretary because if the secretary's <laughs> not there, nobody knows whose lunch is at what time and how to get everything to every place. Um, or in our adult lives, it's kind of like the CEO of a company who is is kind of in charge of everything. So when we say thinking, we're really talking about Franny because Franny is pulling all the information from all the other parts of our brain and doing control and regulation. So when we talk about good days and bad days with ourselves or our kids, if we think about it, we're really talking about days that we thought clearly, that we had control over our thoughts that we controlled our behavior, that our emotions were well controlled, that we said things the way we wanted to say them, everything came out in the right way. That's all Franny's job. So Franny's kind of like this octopus, kind of making everything happen all at one time and definitely trying to work on chilling out our Amy G a little bit as she does it. I love that. Thank you for that recap. I feel like we should hear that like three times in the show. (laughs) Maybe it'll come in. Um, So I want to circle back to the idea that Jamie brought up about, you know, the perfection of Instagram. You know, obviously everyone knows from listening to our show, if not from just reality, that Instagram is a highlight reel. It's not people's reality. For me, I am someone who I truly make every decision through the lens of what is best for my children and how can I ensure that my children feel loved and safe and have an experience that was completely opposite of the one that I had growing up. I had a really traumatic childhood. So it's so important to me actually that my life looks like Instagram for my kids, which I understand. It sounds to me like you're saying isn't great. My psychologist talks a lot about being a good enough mom. Like she uses air quotes every time she says good enough mom. Like, are you good enough? So is that sort of where you fall? Are you saying that being messy or like, quote, failing is is a good thing because you can show kids how to problem solve or what is this? Yeah. So there's so many things to talk about there, but failure is not failure. It's an opportunity for growth. And so anytime you feel like you failed or you yell at your child or something like that, what a great model for what to do when that happens, because our Amy G's win, they just do. We have a ton going on. And so when that happens, Amy G is going to win sometimes and that's okay. So when we do those failures, when something like that happens, it's really important to use that to show our kids that we fail too. And when we fail, we might come and say, listen, I didn't want to yell. I'm sorry. My Amy G got the best of me. I'm working on getting Franny back here. And really, I want to tell you how much I love you and why I felt that upset. 
you know, and maybe you felt that upset because you had a number of things going on and you didn't have time to listen. That's okay because they're going to have a bunch of things going on and they're not going to have time to listen sometimes. So really using that quote failure as an opportunity for growth and taking that time to use it as that moment you can teach your kids something is really important. I think there's a lot of moms that feel this way, that I want to change the way I was raised. I want to do things differently. And we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do that. And it's possible, it's very possible to break out of an old pattern with some insight. So really learning about what are parenting styles? What does that look like? We, We have a couple different ones we can talk about. How did I grow up? And then what are the biases that I might have created from that? And which ones do I want to change? Which it sounds like you've done a lot of that work to figure out, you know, which ones do you want to change? But then in that saying, okay, now I know these styles. I know kind of this structure. This is why I started Raising Brains as a program in the first place, because I wanted moms to be able to have kind of this guide so they would feel comfortable and confident in the way that they are raising their kids or raising their brains so that they could let go of some of that mom guilt and recognize that it's not about being perfect or not perfect. You want what's best for your kids? Of course you do. And part of that is finding the balance between showing them that you want what's best for them, but you are also a person. You also have things you do for you because the model of how you treat yourself is what your kids are going to pick up on, not just whether everything was perfectly clean or they got every experience in life or that they got to play with this kid or do this thing. It's watching how you do too. And so I always say to parents, think about what would you tell your child when they were raising kids? What would you want them to do and be? And and thinking more of it like that to kind of li- kind of let up that guilt that we tend to feel and that pressure we put on ourselves. I can't help but feel when I'm listening to this, and Jamie, I'd be curious your take too, that it, it kind of feels or sounds to me, or maybe this is just the reaction I'm getting, that like moms need to have taken care of their stuff before they can appropriately raise a brain. Is that absolutely? I, I mean, <laughs> and can I just say, like, I think that's so Heidi. It's, it's such a great uh, statement. But I and the other thing that I think of when I think of this conversation is like how nice that moms out there can just let themselves off the hook because not only is it okay to be imperfect, and by the way, you're going to be imperfect, your kids have an opportunity to learn from that. And I will tell you that, and I've talked to my own mother about this. We've done like the deep personal work around it. I actually felt damaged that I never saw a chink in her armor. And I've told her this, she always seemed perfect and to deal with things perfect. And she was like America's working mom. And For me, I think the way I interpreted that was like, oh my God, that just seems so unattainable. It seems like not reality. I could never live up. I'm going to go the other direction. And I became like a rebellious, Amy G driven, you know, drug addict, which I'm very, which I'm very open about, you know? And when I, when I entered those party days, I really look at that as like that type of rebelling against her perceived perfection. I perceived it. She never did this to me, by the way. Mm -hmm. The lens through which I viewed my life was her being perfect. So I think it's just worth noting that like moms, if you're imperfect out there, if you sometimes blow a gasket and yell at your kids, instead of beating yourself up, just turn around and just use it as an opportunity to say, you know what, Billy, 
That was a great example of losing your temper. Look, it happens to mom too. Let's talk about how I could have done that differently and how you could do it differently in the future. Like it can be as simple as that. And I think so often we we go to sleep just beating ourselves up over something like that when it really could be a teaching moment. Yeah. And I think to both your points, actually, I'm going to say something that people, you know, may not uh, really love, but it's always your mother's fault. It's always going to be your mother's fault. I say this, I, it's always my, I always say to my mom, you know, I know this is your fault. I'm not sure how yet, but I know it's your fault, right? Because it is always our mother's fault. And it, and, and we're always going to have these imperfections, um, whether it be being perfect or not being perfect, right? But the, the idea is that we're trying. If you are just trying, if you are loving your kids, if you are trying and you're trying to be good in that moment, you know, without the pressure of, of the guilt and everything like that, you're going to be okay. And to Heidi's point, if you start doing, you're going to need to do some work. All moms are going to need to do work. All people should be doing work on themselves. And so whatever you mess up, they're going to have to do the work later to fix it anyway. <laughs> so just there's some freedom in that almost to just do the best that you can. And then as a mom, go back and do the work, figure out what, again, where, where you came from, what you liked, what you didn't like. And, and there's a lot of bias that comes across with that. And that's okay for silly things. Like I know my family had dinner around the table every single night. You know, that's what I remember. Was it every single night? I don't know, but we always had dinner together. So when, you know, now with all kids moving in different directions, I'm from a divorced household. My household looks very different than I grew up. I feel like I'm not being a good mom unless we have dinner at the table together. And I had this with one of my clients too. And it was probably the most miserable time was dinner at the table for her with her kids. One had ADHD, bouncing off the walls, couldn't keep his mouth closed. Everybody's yelling. And I just said to her, why are you having dinner? And we realized we didn't really know because it actually was a time that they could have a date night with her husband and the kids could have their own dinner because they played games for like an hour. I don't even know how they did this, but they play games for like an hour a night at the end of the night. So they had family time built in. So, you know, when you start to realize, wait a minute, this is how I grew up. This is the things that I grew up with. Some of this might be what is in my mind as being a good mom and not maybe actually necessary for me and my family and my kids then it, it, it is that freedom. So, you know, I think that's what raising brains is really about. It's about the idea of just thinking, what do the brains in my household need? What do I need? What do my kids need? And let's make that our priority instead of this outside influence or this historic influence, you know, of how we grew up. And those things, by the way, always come back when we're really highly stressed. So if you have a kid with a chronic illness or you have a big stressor in your life or, you know, for me, um, my sister died at 29 of breast cancer. And so for about 18 months leading up to that and then right around her death, you know, my kid's Aunt Nana was dying and then died. And so that created this major stressor in our lives and all the old crap came back for me too. All the old styles, all the old, you know, ways of dealing with things came back and we had to work through that. And I wasn't perfect. And I had to use those moments to teach my kids that, yeah, I just lost it. I lost this because I'm sad and I don't know what to do with myself. I'm going to be okay. But right now I'm just sad. And, you know, maybe need some help. Obviously we're so sorry for the loss of your sister. That's awful and tragic and how amazing that you use that to teach your children that you can fall apart. But I loved that you said you will be okay because before you started talking about that, I was wondering when you were saying, you know, you have to figure out for each individual brain, 
you know, what they need. Are there any things that everyone needs? Like when you said, I, I'm not okay, but I will be okay. Like, do kids always need to know that their parents eventually will be okay? Do they need to, you know, is there anything that is universal to brains needing? Yeah. I mean, I think safety and security is, is one, you know, knowing that you, they, you love them and you will always love them and you're not going anywhere. You know, that's a basic core thing that even if you travel, you still love them. You're still not going anywhere. Even if they have such significant needs that they're having a lot of behaviors, problems, you're having a lot of fights, especially teens, preteens, we kind of have, you know, butt heads a lot, but that no matter what happens, you are still, you still love them and you're still not going anywhere. Um, I think is really, really important. I think that's a very core value um, for all kids. And I think it's about really addressing what comes out of their mouth. Sometimes we overthink what kids are going to do. And I'll just give you the example from when my sister died. I thought my kids were going to say, oh my gosh, people die. My parents are going to die. Oh my God, I'm not going to be left alone. They never got there. It was two separate things for them. They were very sad, but they never had that feeling. I just said, you know, how are you feeling at this this point? They're like, well, we're really sad. And they would mimic what I said, but we're going to be better. We're going to be fine. You know, we're going to get better. We're just sad now. And, you know, we would talk about it and work through that. So I think it's a matter of always asking questions and, and finding out what those core needs are. So besides that safety and security, it's really about tell me how you're thinking, not imparting our emotions onto our kids. That's a big one. That's a big one. Look, this stuff is, it's half instinct and half academically based, and you can definitely help a lot of our listeners out there. I know that you, you gave us just a fundamental understanding of it here, but I know that there are a lot of other uh, resources that you provide. Can you, before we get to our last thing, which we do, which is called Karma Call, which Heidi, I will let you do, and you might have to <laughs> sing today because Megan's <laughs> not here, you, but but can we, all right, I guess I'll step in. But can you tell us where um, people can find some of your resources? So if they really want to like dive a little deeper into this, because it's so complex. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And speaking of Instagram, that's probably the best one because I do go live on Fridays to give some tips and we have a lot of information on there. So it's Dr. Dr. Sarah L. Allen. So S-A-R-A-H-A-L-L-E-N. I forgot to spell my own name for a second. <laughs> um, and so Instagram is definitely the, the great place to come uh, watch me. And then also on Facebook at Brain Behavior Bridge, we do lives there on Tuesdays. And my website is really has the most up-to-date information and that's brainbehaviorbridge.com. And that has information about challenges and courses. If you want to know more about parenting, if you want to grab the book, you can grab it from there too. And it's always a way to reach me too. So if you have questions, you want to just email me or message me, either Instagram or emailing me works out well too. Yay. Love it. You're a wealth of information. All right, right Heidi, Jane, take it away. Our last yes. segment is called Karma Call. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I loved I loved having you say that, Jane. Yeah, that was super fun. fun. Um, but Dr. Sarah, <laughs> I am the yogi, so I always explain that karma is a Sanskrit word for action. So we ask all of our amazing, knowledgeable guests, you, what is one small action that our listeners could take for a short period of time that would yield a large result? Small action, big result. I would say, uh, think about how you're thinking and say it out loud. We do so much in our heads as moms. We problem solve in our heads. We manage our emotions in our heads. We think about everybody else in our lives in our heads. But instead of doing that, when you start having a problem or you're thinking about something, Start saying it out loud. 
you know, I'm really worried about getting you to practice on time, but also getting dinner together. I'm trying to figure out a way to get both done. How could I do that? Maybe I'll make dinner ahead of time and then I'll be able to feed you on the way to practice. All that happens in our heads, but when we start to say it out loud, we're actually building brain pathways in our kids and teaching them how to problem solve. And you can do it with emotions too. I'm really, I'm really happy that you are going to get to do all of these different things this weekend, but I'm really overwhelmed too because I kind of need a minute. So I'm going to try to figure out how do I get my a minute in here while you guys all get to do what you want too. And you say it out loud. And that teaches so much to those little brains. So that would be my number one tip for trying a new tactic. I love that. That's an amazing one. That's a good one. I never thought to do that. I feel sometimes like the cacophony in my head (laughs) is so loud that I just can't hear myself think. So getting a little bit of it out sounds like a pressure release valve that I could use. And if I'm building new pathways for my kids at the same time, bonus. Well, Dr. Sarah, thank you so much. You know, we adore you. I'm glad our listeners got to get a little glimpse into what we got to see, the shining star in Nashville. And of course, everybody go follow Dr. Sarah Allen, Allen on Instagram. Check out all of the resources that she gave earlier. And hey, while you're on there, don't forget to follow us on the gram. We are Off the Gram Podcast. And please do subscribe to this show so you never miss an episode. We will see you next time. 